Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Episode of Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike, and I'll be joined here in a couple minutes by my always uh, lovable co-host, Matt. And we've got a lot of talk to a lot, a lot of talked about, or we have a lot to talk about. Excuse me. Uh, we've been off the air for two weeks. Uh, was not able to be on the air two weeks ago because I just returned from Edgar Weekend, exhausted. And a little upset that we got swept during that weekend, and we're definitely going to put that behind us. But unfortunately, the Mariners today gave us even more misery as they made five errors. I want I want to say they made six errors because, for one thing, the uh, scoreboard keeper decided he ran out of numbers in the in the air category. So the basically the Mariners played like little leaguers in the first, uh, basically in the first. Uh, inning and just went on to get massacred by the Yankees. Um, we are getting closer and closer to open to uh, kick off to basic to, uh, to kick off. We're getting closer to kickoff. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, also, uh, last week I was not we were not able to go on the air because I just uh, I went to a Sounders game. Um, I will say this about uh, CenturyLink Field. Uh, CenturyLink Field gang can, you know, go, uh, well, they can uh, go do something that I shouldn't say on the air. Because, for one thing, when you uh, don't allow somebody into uh, a stadium with just a camera because the lens is too big, I'm saying, you got to be kidding me, then I had to go spend 10 bucks just to get a locker um, to put it in. Then I had to get back in line. I missed the boom, boom, clap. I missed... Basically, nearly ten minutes of the first of the first half. So that was not fun for me. That was not pleasant at all. I mean, I, I mean, we won the game, but you know, at the beginning, it was not pleasant. It was not pleasant at all to to uh, basically be left out at that time. Especially, especially if you have gone to a Sounders game, you know what I'm talking about. I've been, I've been to a couple Sounders games, so I know what I'm talking about. Because for one thing. The boom boom clap is something that you do look forward to. Is that something that you want to do? 
it's something that you, again, ba- really look forward to because it's uh, it's it's something that you you don't get to do that often. If you're like me and you don't get to go to that many Sounders games, you really do enjoy doing that with the crowd. And um, I'll talk to Matt a little bit about that. But we got some uh, big things to talk about. First of all, me and Matt, we're going to be talking about the Conor McGregor-Mayweather fight. And first of all, we do, uh, uh, both me and Matt, or I'll wait till Matt gets on the air, but you know what? I want to say this. Conor McGregor pull, uh, proved a lot last night. For one thing, he almost, that fight came close to going the distance. I was cheering for Mayweather, or not Mayweather, but Conor McGregor the whole time. But at the end, I didn't care that he lost. I was like, that was one of the, that was one hell of a fight. It was one of the best boxing matches I've ever seen in my life. Conor McGregor just ran out of gas, and you know, me and me and Matt, we'll discuss a little bit about that. We're we're only gonna be on here for like an hour and a half, though. But we do got to get in a little bit about talk about the Mariners, talk some Seahawks, of course, and. Of course, get into the get into our uh, off. Uh, we'll possibly have an off current topic, but without further ado, let's let's give a warm Seattle Sports Talk welcome to my always lovable co-host Matt. because they they decided to fire me due to no reason, due to the fact that I was in my trial period. But, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let it get me down. I got Seattle sports to talk about. <laughs> Good man. Good man. I'm excited to talk some sports tonight. Now, and you know what? Before we get into Mariners, we need to talk – we have to talk about that Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. fight. First of all, um, huge props to Floyd Mayweather – I'm not a fan of his. I'm not. I'm going to say this right here. I'm not a fan of his because of the antics that he has gone through and all the domestic abuse charges that he has gone through. But I will say this: he was. He, I think he's definitely one of the top. I think he's definitely one of the greatest fighters to to get into that mm-hmm. ring, get into the ring because he's gone 50 and 0. But Conor McGregor mm-hmm. went 10 rounds with the undefeated champ. And you know what? Again, and I'm going to say this. I I can't stand Floyd Mayweather. But I'm going to say this. I enjoyed the hell out of that fight, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you look up hype in the dictionary, it was this fight. I mean, it had everything. It was fun. It was entertaining. And at the end of the day, the best boxer won. And, you know, and I'll say that. The best boxer won. And, and it's true. And Floyd, Med- or Floyd Mayweather, you know, he, he proved why he's the greatest boxer of this era. And I don't think he could have gone out on a better note. Um, and, you know, what impressed me the most about, about him 
And about Connor, too, at the end was just the humility and respect they had for each other after the fight. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be a long time before we see a boxing match like that again. It is. It is, man. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I will say this. If that, if that, if that fight would have gone all 12 rounds, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it right here now. People may dog me on this, but Connor won that fight. He won at least seven rounds of that fight. Because seven of those ten rounds went to Connor. Seven of ten. Okay? So if that thing was to have ended in ten rounds, Connor would have beaten Floyd Mayweather. And it, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Again, very, huge props to Floyd Mayweather. And also, Connor McGregor said that he didn't really, he didn't want the ref stepping in. He wanted to go down, he wanted to get beat. Like a champ. He wanted to get beat in the way that only a fighter wants to get beat. He wanted to go down. And also, here's another thing. Conor McGregor, a Bleacher Report, they put out a, a photo of Conor McGregor like down on the floor. And I got a little problem with that because here's the thing. Conor McGregor, he never went down. He never once went down. But I tell you one thing. He threw some good punches. He threw some of the best punches I've ever seen anybody throw against Floyd Mayweather. Do you think do you think the referee stopped the match a little too early? I just want yes. to hear your take on that, Mike. Yes. Yes, he stopped he stopped the fight too early, but yes, they have to protect the fighters. But mm-hmm. I think if it was up to Connor, mm-hmm. he would have told the refs to screw off and say, "Guess what? I am a man. I'm a fighter. Let me go down the way I want to go down. Let me go down." In a fighter's way, let me get knocked out. I will take because. Let me ask you this: I put this on Twitter, man, Matt. Yeah, if someone yeah. offered you a hundred million dollars to go into the ring, to get knocked out, you just you would do it, and then they, then ask him, wake me up so I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. A hundred million dollars, count me in, man. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, and, and you know, to your point, I, I thought the uh, I, I thought I, I I personally would have liked to see the referee just wait a little bit longer um, before he stepped in. But uh, like you mentioned, I, I do think that you know the first priority is protecting the fighters. But I think in a, a match of that significance, um, you want to see it, and you know, w- without a stoppage, you want to actually see it you know, go down until one, one fighter can't fight anymore. That, that's boxing. That's, that's combat. That's fighting. And, uh, but nonetheless, it was a great fight, and I, and I think the better boxer did win the match. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not going mm-hmm. to say that, mm-hmm. you know, that the worst man won, because I'm going to say this. Um, I hated to say this on Twitter, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just actually put this out there. Because I think that a lot of people were, I think a lot of people were a little curious about this. But I think that um, a mostly, mostly there was a very. Uh, I'm trying to put this in a way to where I don't sound very, very rude or anything. But there was a very distinction. There was a there was a big distinction between fans who were who were going for Conor McGregor and those who were going for Floyd Mayweather. 
I think I might have put that in the correct terms. But because I was at the bar last night, and of course, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of people were there. It was a fun night. And, of course, you know, the people who wanted Conor McGregor to win, I saw, some guy came out saying, oh, that fight was rigged, that fight was rigged. And I'm like, dude, come on. The best mm-hmm. fighter won. The mm-hmm. best fighter won. Give me a break and quit whining and just admit it. Floyd Mayweather won. Mm-hmm. But, again, I'm looking at all the people who are cheering for Conor McGregor and those who are booing uh Floyd Mayweather, and I'm like, eh, there's a pretty big distinction between who's going for him and who's not going for him. <laughs> and I, I don't know where you watched the fight at. I mean, did mm-hmm. you watch it at a bar? No, uh, actually, uh, a buddy of mine ordered it up, and a bunch of us went over there. So we, we watched it at a friend's house, yeah. Well, I we, mean, all, we all skipped in, though. <laughs> I mean, be honest with me, Matt. I mean, be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, if you if yeah. you were to go online right now, if you were to go mm-hmm. on Snapchat, uh, Instagram, and everything, there's a there's a big distinction between who was going for Conor McGregor and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? And 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 at the end of the day, I I think that's some silly stuff, and you know that that's some some ignorant stuff, you know, for you know for people to um, kind of get behind a fighter based on on that and you know you would just call it what it is based on the race or whatever i i think that that's ignorance that's that's just individuals being naive and that that's really it really takes away from how how great those two athletes are and it really puts a spotlight on something that's not important that shouldn't be important and, and it takes away from one of the greatest matches that you know, um, you know, most of us, this generation, will probably go down and have have an opinion on this one way or another, but we'll remember it. And I, I think they said it broke the uh, pay-per-view record. Um, it did. I, which is absolutely incredible. And I, I'm, I'm just glad it lived up to the hype. And, you know, I, I thought that um, McGregor really went out there, and, and he really showed something. He went against the greatest fighter you know, in our era in boxing, and, and he he showed up. He did an outstanding job, and um, and it was so cool to see uh, someone like Floyd Mayweather with, you know, to go, to finish fifty and zero, and to kind of cement his legacy as a boxer. So for anyone to take away from that and, and make it about anything other than what it is, I, I think is really missing the big picture and just choosing to be ignorant about it. So, so that's my thoughts on that. Agreed. Agreed. I I agree with you full-heartedly, man. We're going to drop it as it is right now because um that's something that I just I, that's something that I really wanted to get your take on. This is something that I think a lot of us were very curious about. And I'm pretty sure I'm not I wasn't the only one who was thinking that. But um, no, I, you know, you know, Mike. I, I will say this. I saw some things online on social media, just like that. And uh, props to you for, uh, you know, having the guts to talk about, you know, some of these issues. A lot of people are afraid to talk about and actually be real about it. Yeah, definitely. But here's the thing. I want to make fun of Floyd Mayweather for one thing, because, um, or actually, I want to make fun of the two fighters, uh, Garcia, who came out looking like he had the tip of a smirched penis on his head. <laughs> 
You're not going to forget that. <laughs> no. I mean, first of all, a fighter who, I mean, first of all, he proved he's a fighter because he comes out wearing a fuzzy, fuzzy Smurf swing, uh, mm-hmm. and then he, and on his pants, he's got the fuzzy all over, but he, but he manages to fight, to win the fight. And I'm like, I'm like, this is unreal. Some dude, hey. some dude wearing fuzzy all over, looking very, very weird, just want to fight. And mm-hmm. but the, the the funniest thing that I thought again, I gotta I gotta make fun of Floyd Mayweather a little bit was Floyd Mayweather coming out in a ski mask, looking like he's either ready to rob a bank or he's ready to join a, an Antifa gang. Jeez. What <laughs> wasn't that first fighter you mentioned the same one that lost his belt because he didn't make weight and then won the fight with an illegal hit to the back of the head? Isn't that the same guy we're talking about? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. But, you know, it's been so long since I've watched boxing. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I thought the main fight um, was, was definitely worth its money. It, it was It was everything. Uh, it lived up to the hype, but uh, the matches before that just kind of reminded me why I, I don't watch boxing anymore and how MMA has totally taken up that space. It, it really owns that, and it, it really took an MMA fighter coming to boxing to really get the hype going in boxing again. And maybe it'll something will come from that. I don't know, but it, it, as far as I'm concerned, unless we kind of see more of that, I don't think a lot of folks are going to be too interested in boxing, but that's just my two cents on boxing these days. I was actually about to ask you, you know, because I think, because I heard a lot of sportscasters last night about an hour after the game, I was listening to some of the, a couple shows and they said that this event was not only good for boxing, but it was good for the UFC. But I think the UFC just really gained more attention in this than boxing because if you look at it, really, boxing is a sport. Because I'll say this, the first couple fights that I was watching, it wasn't really that entertaining because all they did was just dance around, barely hitting each other. And, you know, people... And here's the thing. I get that boxing is a strategical sport. People don't really know that boxing is a very strategical sport. They pan out and look for the weaknesses, and then they strike. Like, I'll say this. Floyd, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put this out. Conor McGregor, he did the wrong thing by coming out, punching and everything. He wore himself out too much. If he would have just maybe gotten a good couple shots in there, taken a couple rounds before, or lose a couple rounds, make Floyd get tired, I think Conor stood a better chance. But Conor actually wore himself out, and Floyd let him. Floyd let him yeah. wear himself out, and once he saw that Conor was weak and he was fatigued Connor went in for or or Floyd went in for the kill and that's was mm-hmm. Connor McGregor's downfall in this fight but again yeah. again you know here's the thing boxing is never going to be as big as the UFC but right now the UFC is in a very big is actually in a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a squeeze because Connor McGregor might just start boxing he might actually go to boxing because he wants to get paid more in the UFC. But I think Dana White, I think he sees what how much Conor McGregor can make him and how much he can make uh, or how much Conor McGregor can make towards the sport. So he's going to pay he's going to pay McGregor what he wants. But again, 
boxing will just never be as big as the UFC is because UFC is faster, more bloodshed, and more action. And I think that's what people love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, your, and to your point on Conor McGregor um, kind of wearing himself out, um, you know, shocked that he might have been a little overconfident. But, uh, you know, I think what really played into that was he wasn't expecting that to go as long as it did. And, and it did. And, you know, Floyd, you could see him, like just like you said, feeling out McGregor, especially in those first two rounds. He was just kind of – he was being strategic and kind of planning – uh, it was just you're just watching one of the greats do what they do and absolutely dissect you know their opponent and and he, he showed why he's the greatest in the world and um, <laughs> I, I'm floored I'm absolutely floored and you bring up a good point this this really can't open lots of doors for Conor McGregor as a boxer I mean imagine that instead of you know fighting three four times a year fighting once a year in a boxing ring and making 10 times as much money. Yeah. I mean, can you really fault a guy for that? <laughs> I can't. I mean, Dio, I mean, come on, Matt. I mean, here's mm-hmm. the thing. Here's what you got to look at it, because this is the last bit that we're going to talk about this fight. Um, we'll get off this topic right now, but we're going to say this. Again, both me and Matt, if both me and Matt, uh, if someone came up to us, both of us, said, hey, here's what we want you to do. We want you to become a boxer, you would fight possibly maybe once or twice a year and get paid $100 million, whether you win or lose, both of us would take it. I mean, again, I would go like this. I would say, hey, guess what? I'll t- I'll go ahead and get knocked out in the first round, make $100 million, and wake me up, and I can do it one more time. <laughs> I'm in. Tell me where to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But we got to get into shape first. No more beer for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's only the tough part. <laughs> um, one more thing about that Matt actually kind of wanted me to not to talk about this, but I kind of want to bring this up because I think this might – this is something that I think uh, Coach Peterson of the University of Washington should bring up to his kids. But um, I looked on a lot of the – of our – uh, UW players as Snapchats and Instagram stories, and even some of the former players, I mean, some that have gone pro. Now, this does not – I'm going to say this, this. This has to go with both sides. This has got to go with both sides, but with a lot of our players on the reactions and when he won the fight, and I'm going to say this on the air, all I heard was N-word this, N-word this, N-word this. Now, I'm going to say this. If I'm Coach Peterson, I'm saying this. Yes, they're in their own homes. They're in their own homes. They're away from the co- they're away from the campus. They're away from the college. They're away from the glitz. But I'm going to say this. If you're going to post something on Snapchat or on Instagram, do not. And I'm going to say this. If I'm Coach Peterson, I'm saying do not use that kind of language because you are supposed to be a role model for kids who watch college football who possibly also see your snaps, see your Instagram stories, and you cannot use that type of language. And me personally, I do not accept anybody using that type of language. I don't care who they are. Nobody should have to say that word because all it does is makes you look very arrogant, it makes you look uneducated, and it, and it just gives you a very bad look. 
And Matt, again, I know you said not to bring this up, but I I couldn't resist, man. This is something that I that I think we should talk about. That I think Coach Peterson, if he possibly sees these things, and I tweeted to him about it. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to bring this up because these guys, yes, again, these guys are in their own homes. They're they're away from the game. They're away from the college. They're away from the mm-hmm. field. But when they post stuff like that, they have to be careful of the language that they use, and especially when using that word and that phrase in that manner. It is unacceptable, and it's and it's just it just very, very irresponsible for them to do because again, kids possibly see these things and they and they're gonna take it the wrong way. Yeah. And this is something we talked about offline and you know what? You know, this just it's it's a lot a lot of times it's just folks being naive and ignorant and it's an ignorant choice of words. Uh there's no place for it. It's not it's completely unnecessary and Kind of like you mentioned, you know, when, when you're an athlete or when you're in the spotlight, you're in a premier program like the University of Washington or any program or anyone, um, you know, what you say has consequences and you're, you're in the spotlight. And it's very important that you're being a good example for those that are watching you because, you know what, I, at the end of the day, the, the, no one wants to hire someone that that's that's choosing to use that kind of language and promote that type of lifestyle. It's wrong. It's naive. And you know, I, I know it doesn't come from a bad place. A lot of these young guys, but it, it's something that just doesn't show well. And there, there's no place for it. It's completely unnecessary. And um, you know, I, I'm really proud of uh, a lot of the guys I, I do hear that, um, you know, do a great job of just articulating themselves and representing their their respective schools, professional teams in a manner that, um, that, 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 that bodes well for their program and those around them. So, yeah, that, that, that's – I think it kind of goes without being said. Exactly. And, again, I, I know that Matt said not to bring it up, but I think this is stuff that does – that's in sports, and it needs to and it needs to be brought out because not saying something about it, if if we just say it offline, we're not going to get people to be aware of this. We're not gonna we're not going to bring it up to people, and we're not going to get people to understand why we don't agree with this. And again, you know, me and Matt, we're not we're not here to to, to look down on anybody. We just want like if if something like that, ha- I mean. Let me ask you a question. Be and be honest with yourself as a parent. If you caught your kid talking like that, you would you would think this. I did not raise my kid to use that type of language, to act that way, and to belittle himself in that manner. Now I'm not saying anybody belittled themselves, but I'm saying if I don't think I don't think parents would want their kids listening to the athletes that they look up to, to you, I don't think they would want them to look at their snaps and hear that type of language. That's some, Again, that's something that a lot of players, every athlete needs to take in perspective, is that they're being watched all the time, whether it be on the field or off the field, and they have to watch the language that they use towards, because again, kids watch everything that they do. They watch their snaps, they look at their Instagram stories, they watch them on the field, 
and whether they can read lips or not, they can see, they know what they're saying, and parents can and parents know what they're saying, and they have to be careful again about the language that they use. Now with boxing, it's the same thing. They they, they need to stop. I mean, thank God they show it just on Showtime. They show it all. They should so they can say what they want, and kids will not look at this possibly. But if I mean, it's it, it, it's the same. It, it goes the same with no with any athlete. Any athlete in the world needs to watch, be careful what they say, and not belittle themselves in that in that manner. I mean, Matt, do you, do you, do you agree? Mm-hmm. Amen. I think you said it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Before we get on to the Mariners, man, we got to talk some Seahawks. Um, yeah, we do. We got. It's about time. I think. I think, man, twelfth man. Yeah, they've been hungry. They have been hungry for some Seahawks talk. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we we're, we're getting close to the season, but we also mm-hmm. we got to focus on them. We got. I mean, be honest. I mean, here's the thing, guy. People, to whoever who is listening, we we focus on the sports of now. We don't focus on really practice games. I don't focus a lot on practice games. I'll flip back to it every now and then just to check the score. Um, but you know, I'm glad I've I've seen what Kaysen Williams has been making making a name out of himself, and that's something that I wanted to bring up to you, Matt, real quick. Is Kaysen mm-hmm. Williams or Jermaine Curse? <laughs> if you had to pick, if you had to pick one of those two guys, if they're fighting for a job, mm-hmm. who do you? Well, I mean, just you know, uh, man, I, I gotta gotta say that uh, based on what I've seen in the preseason, I I'm really excited about what Casey Williams is bringing to the table, and you know, there's been a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, I'd say negativity kind of surrounding some of the Jermaine Curse talk, and you know, at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to Russell Wilson, and you know, who he feels most comfortable and confident throwing to. And this preseason, Cason Williams has really made a great case for himself. And uh, it's it's always so cool. And both those guys are actually prime examples. I, I love the fact that they're local guys. Both went to the local school and are playing for the local pro team. Uh, it, it's something so special when that happens. But i got to say, to answer your question, right now I'm, I'm more excited to see Cason Williams. And uh, I, I think that guy is showing that he deserves a spot on that 53-man roster. Agreed. And you know what? Uh, before, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say this. I'm actually going to put out our information to how we can, uh, to how people can call in and listen into our show, because I don't think a lot of people do know how to do this. But if we do want to get more listeners, this is how you do it. So I'm going to post this on Twitter real quick. But uh, uh, before we do that, I mean, also, you know, here's the thing, man. Um I'm concerned with how long our starters our starters are on the field during games, um, mm-hmm. you know, because look what look what's happened to us. I mean, George Fant has gone down. Spencer Ware went down with a knee injury. I mean, so many knee injuries are mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, and I'm just I'm thinking in my head, you know, back when I was a kid, and and Matt, this was back in the '90s. All right, Be, so mm-hmm. so. Just, just bear with me. But back in the '90s, you did not see a lot of guys go down with MCL, ACL, and PCL tears. You did not see a lot of that. Nowadays, I mean, almost every other day we got something like this. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like we do see that uh, more often than we used to. Yeah, and 
here's the thing, you know, with I'm going to say this. We need to get rid of the, I think we should get rid of preseason altogether. Just uh Terry Hall uh, Terry Holloman from uh 950 I believe it was said that they should get rid of the preseason and put in an 18 game schedule because he's tired of seeing guys like Spencer Ware get hurt like this in the preseason and you know what I'm going to go ahead and take his side on this. I need to take his side on this um because here's the thing, you know, I I could not stand I when when George Fant went down and I saw the replay, and I'm like, I said this in my, I was thinking this. I was like, he's done. That's an ACL tear. He's done for the season. We just lost a big member of our, of our, uh, of our offensive, of our offensive line uh, group, because we did not get our starters off the field in time. You know, the, yes, I know that the that the stars have got to get a rep, but. This was in the second game of the season, I believe. And I say you leave the starters in there for half of the game and you bring them out. You bring, or half of the first quarter, you bring them out. But Pete Carroll decided to leave them, leave them in for another quarter. The same thing with uh, this last game. He, I think he left them in. He left them in the first half. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Again, I'm taking Terry's side. This this has got to end. This has yeah. got to end to where we've got to prevent. We have to stop. We have to stop this because it's it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, the preseason is kind of one of those things where you know, it, it really is the appetizer for the season, and the fans get into it, and you know, there's a lot of money being made by the NFL and. You know, that, that's a big reason why it is four games. And, you know, for, for us that really, you know, love the game, enjoy the game, and are really passionate fans, um, you kind of just hold your breath and pray for no injuries and look for the team to establish a rhythm and you know, just allow the best 22 starters to emerge. But, you know, football just takes such, especially at that level with the best athletes in the world, it takes such a physical toll on your body that it, it and it's not the same game that it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. I believe it gets more physical. The athletes get bigger, stronger, faster every year, and, and that's why we see these injuries. A lot more is expected out of them, and it's tough. And so, yeah, I agree. I think four preseason games is too long. I I, I don't know what the best solution is for it, but I, I think four games is just too many. And and how much of it matters? How much is really uh, necessary for an NFL team to, you know, safely say, hey, this is our 53-man roster. I, I, I think I think uh, guys like Pete and John could uh, narrow that down without four games. I, um, I, I think there's, a, there's a, a space for it. There's a time for it. But um, at the same time, I, I just think four games is for it's, – it's too much. It's too much. I think it needs to be cut down. Um, and it, it really, it's an incredible shame when you see these guys like Fant and Ware, any of these guys. I, I don't wish that upon anyone, um, you know, walking off the field or being carved off the field with these season-ending injuries. It, it's an absolute shame. Um, I, would, I would personally be more in favor of 
an 18-game season as opposed to a 16- and four-game preseason. But I'd also be more in favor of uh, – you know, just as much in favor of a 16-game season with a two-game preseason. Um, but, you know, there's, uh, there's big business behind it. There's economics behind it. And I, I think that's really what drives it. But uh, I don't have any of those numbers in front of me. I don't know the exact thing. But I, I know what I see, and uh, I, I think it's, it's asking a lot of some of these guys. And uh, it's, it's a real shame to watch these guys absolutely lose an entire year um, due to an injury in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, getting, it's getting ridiculous because, again, you know, again, George Fant, I'm going to say this, George Fant was hyped so much this mm-hmm. this year because I heard guys saying that he's just like Walter Jones. He may not be the next Walter Jones, but he but he, but they remind him of Walter Jones. And you know what? I've seen the videos of 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 Fant and what uh and what he's been doing. And you know what? I'm gonna say this. It's he was gonna be he was really gonna solicitate or solidify the running game. He was really going to help the running game. Now we're in a position because we left our starters in too long where we have to find somebody else to fill that gap. And again, it all comes down to do we leave our starters in another quarter or do we take them out early? If I'm Pete Carroll, again, here's the thing. That injury is unavoidable. Yeah, it really is unavoidable. I'm going to say this. It's not. It's not fans' fault. It's not Carroll's fault. But again, this is a preseason game. The starters are not the ones fighting for a job. You play your starters for a minimal amount of time, and you take them out, and then you act, and then you put in your you you, you put in your reserves because. Again, if I'm Pete Carroll, I take my players, I would take my starters out. You know, I would take my starters out as soon as the second quarter began. Well, yeah, I think you make a good point. You know, I mean, any one of those guys could, uh, you know, fall in the shower and have just as significant of an injury, but I, I don't think it helps. And I, I'm with you on that. I, I think you really got to limit that. and. Uh, like I said, you're really just kind of holding your breath and praying there's no injuries because, you know, one injury, uh, you know, who knows what that could cost your team. Uh, we lose Russell Wilson, you know, for an extended period of time or the whole season. I mean, that's, that's a completely different team. Um, but, you know, that being said, uh, you know, we're finished up the preseason this Thursday in Oakland as we take on Marshawn Lynch. You might remember him and the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Mike, I just want to touch on this really quick because I think this is important. And I, I, I know preseason records don't mean diddly squat. But, um, you know, being 3-0, and I, I will say that the Seahawks have played. They've, they've played really well. Uh, I thought they played really well. And uh, given the likes of our division, I, I think this team is really primed and showing that they can win the NFC West and make a run for the Super Bowl. And I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm the kind of guy who likes to take a one game at a time. But uh, this, this team is looking really good, really fluid. 
And, um, you know, aside from the injury to Fant, I, I am really excited about what I'm seeing from this team. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to finish uh, this game on Thursday, no injuries, and go into the season, week one against Green Bay at Lambeau, and kick off a great season. I, I think this team's looking really good. I agree with you, man. And uh, by the way, I almost forgot to wish everyone a very happy uh, season finale night of Game of Thrones. Tonight is the Game of Thrones season finale. Only seven episodes, man. Usually, <laughs> like, I know I'm getting a little off topic, but usually the seasons are like ten episodes. This year they, they uh, shortened it to seven. Now we got to wait another freaking year. We've got another year to wait until we, until we get to watch one of the greatest television shows of all time. And speaking of television shows, how are you doing on Prehistoric Park, man? Did you finish the uh, Did you finish the entire season? No, nah, no, I'm falling. I'm falling a little behind. I've been really busy. I was up in actually in Seattle um, <laughs> last weekend, and it's been tough. I, I, I think you know lately I've just been uh, I've been watching a couple of shows. I've been watching Ozark. I started that, which is on Netflix, <laughs> and uh, then I was watching reruns of Frasier, and uh, I forgot how funny that show is. Man, that's a good one. It is, man. So, um, getting back on the topic, uh, or also, before we also get onto this, uh, both me and Matt want to send out our thoughts and prayers uh, to Texas, and we send our good mm-hmm. thoughts out there uh, during this terrible, this terrible tra- or during this terrible time. Uh, and we hope that everyone there uh, stays safe. And we all, but uh, kind of joking aside, I do hope that uh, that flood kind of washes away the Astros and the Rangers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, sometimes you got to make light of a tough situation. I agree. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I just want to echo that, Mike. You, you, you're spot on, man. Uh, thoughts and prayers out there with everyone impacted by this. And uh, I, I don't normally throw out plugs for this, but, um, you know, I, I've done some work with some nonprofits, and uh, there's a really good nonprofit organization called Samaritan's Purse, and they're first responders, and they're already down there in Texas doing work. So if anyone's looking for uh, a good charity to donate to, promote, uh, or just really, or even get involved with uh, Samaritan's Purse. You know, Google it. I, I think it's SamaritansPurse.org. Um, but I just want to throw that out there because I think it's important that uh, you know we're all we're all contributing any way we can, even if it's from a distance. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent agree with you, man. Um, before uh, last topic for the Seahawks before we get onto the Mariners. Um, Naz Jones, Nazir Jones, dude, what do you think mm-hmm. about him? First of all, um, I think Nazir Jones has a chance to, to be a, a big-time starter and huge, contra- huge contributor mm-hmm. to this defensive line because, again, I don't think Jerron Reed is really all that good. Um, I don't know some of the other guys that we have on this team, but – you know, looking at what we had, Nazir Jones, that was – and here's the thing. Malik McDowell, he's done. Mm-hmm. He will not play another down. I don't think he's ever going to play another down of football again because they said that the that it's not his face, it's his head that's been, that's been going on. And right then and there, I'm like, okay, that's it. He, something's officially wrong with him, and he definitely – I don't think Malik McDowell will ever play another down – in the NBA, or not in the NBA, but in the NFL again. I hate to say it, but well, I hope know. you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I, I haven't really? read too much into it. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just focused on who's on the field, but 
Nazir Jones, yeah, he's re- he's showing up. He's taking advantage of an opportunity. There really is it, it, there really is an opportunity on that interior defensive line, and, and he's really making a great case for himself as uh, one of the day one starters. Uh, just another great pick by uh, Schneider, and I would love I you know when you have when you can get guys inside, that makes such a big difference, and it's going to make such a big difference especially for our, our defensive ends and Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett to really get after the quarterback. So, I, absolutely, the, the guy's really showing something out there. I, God, it's great. It's great being a, a Seattle fan, a Seahawks fan right now, That especially at defense. Um, they're just playing. They're playing great, and if they can stay healthy, I think they'll be the number one defense in the league this year. Agreed. Um, one more thing, Seahawks, before we, before we get to the Mariners, man. Um, I want your thoughts, man, because I'm mm-hmm. going to say this. The, the Seahawks right now, to me, they look defensive-wise and offensive-wise like they can go at – they can definitely repeat what they did in the Super – the first year that we won the Super Bowl. They can do, they can do that ex, the exact same thing on defense and they can basically be the number one defense in the league and mm-hmm. and win the Super Bowl. I think the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be totally biased about saying that, but, you know, I'm saying that the Seahawks, if they go, I say they go between 11-5 and five to 13-3. and three. Because I do, see, I do see at least maybe three or five, three, maybe three or five losses coming our way, but the Seahawks are definitely going to the only the only team that they have in the West to really go against them is the Cardinals. But I don't think that the Cardinals have what it takes to win the West. I think they have a chance to be a wild card team because I mean let's face it, their defense has really gotten stacked with Buda Baker now as a safety and they got a healthy Tyrone you know, Tyrone Matthew, but you know, mm-hmm. but other than that, they they don't really have a lot of they don't really have a lot of guys to really push themselves and make make a name for themselves in the NFC West. But mm-hmm. really, the only the only team that we have to look forward to possibly meeting in the NFC Championship game, if we go all the way, would be the Green Bay Packers. And if we can, it, I'm going to say this: if we beat the Green Bay Packers in the first in the first game of the season, I'm saying that that's the NFC Championship in Seattle, but the only way that I will be totally convinced that this could be our year is that the Seahawks do not lose more than two games in their first seven games. And I'm an, and Matt, I would like your thoughts on how you think the Seahawks are going to do this year. You know, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you in that I I think the Seahawks are really primed to have a really good year, and and I think the uh, the biggest thing you got to watch this year is the offensive line. Um, you know, you know, bearing any unforeseen significant injuries, this team is primed to make a run for the Super Bowl. There's there's absolutely no doubt about it. If you're a football fan, if you watch, if you've watched the Seahawks this year, you know this team is primed and they're ready to make a playoff run. Um, it's really going to come down to offensive line play because I think the horses are in place. Um, so, I mean, Tom, Tom Cable has, has a little bit of, jo- uh, of a job you know, ahead of him, but um, 
I, I think that's going to be the big, the big thing right there. And I, I like the fact that we're opening week one going into Green Bay. Uh, it seems like a lot of years we kind of start off against, you know, a team that we're kind of, uh, you know, favored to win. And, you know, and maybe we don't – it feels like a lot of times we open up against, you know, the Rams and some of these teams, and we just don't show up. And so I, I like the fact that we're going into a serious contender week one on the road. And that's really going to give us an opportunity to kind of set the tone for this season. And so I, I think, yeah, the NFC's got some horses, but I, I think Seattle has just as much of a chance as anyone at, uh, you know, making it to the NFC championship and on to the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm right there with you. And, and my, my biggest thing, too, is I love, I love our offense, but it, it's, it's true. Defenses win championships, and I think our defense this year, right now, the defense I'm seeing right now is better than the defense we had last year, and I think that is a huge plus, and you've got to be really excited about that if you're a Seahawks fan. Agreed, and little, little, known, uh, little known fact about the Seahawks defense, since, 2000, since 2013, I believe, um, when Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor are all on the field, this is counting the postseason as well. The Seahawks are fifteen and one. When all three of those guys are on the field, when one of them is missing, the Seahawks are seven, eight, and one. So, <laughs> so here's the thing: if you have all three members of that squad on the field, you have perhaps the da- most dangerous defense that the NFL has ever seen. I will say this: the um, you know the 1985 was was it the 19, I think it was the 1985 Bears. They had one of the best yeah, defenses that's ever. Yeah. They had one of the best defenses that has ever been seen. But you know what? I don't. If you were to put the the 2013. 14 Seahawks and the 1985 Bears in a game. I'm saying the Seahawks win that because the Seahawks, to me, had the better defense, and they still have the better defense, and they will always, and they are going to be forever known as one of the greatest defensive teams that we have seen in the in the past 40 years. Absolutely, you know it, it's it's tough when you're comp- comparing different eras. And there's no doubt that those are two of the greatest defenses that we've ever seen play. And, uh, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan, you've got to be excited. And you really kind of got to – I mean, I know guys like you and I and, you know, for all the, the, the Seahawks faithful, the 12th man, uh, you've you got to really appreciate this because we're in an era right now in Seahawks football that we haven't always been in. I, I mean, I remember, you know, growing up and there were times where they couldn't give away Seahawks tickets. And right now we got one of the greatest programs, premier programs in the NFL. And so now, man, now is the best time ever just to get excited and, and really enjoy some great quality football. We got a great quarterback, you know, that, uh, I mean, she, I mean, Russell could be our quarterback for another decade. I mean, it, this is such a great time to be a Seahawks fan. And, uh, Mike, you hit the nail on the head. This defense is is as good as it gets, and this this is such a fun time. And 
I'm just so jacked up going into the season because I, I know this team's really going to show up. Yeah, definitely. Um, only thing that I will say that's really negative about this team is, you know, first of all, when you, you know, I get that we were a Super Bowl threat. I get that we won a Super Bowl. But for the love of God, do not jack up the prices and the tickets because, for one thing, I, this is just me. I love my Seahawks. But I'm not going to pay between 150 to 200 to $300 for a 300-level seat to see the Seahawks. And I'm certainly not going to pay between $65 and 150 for a preseason game. That's the thing. Unreal, isn't it? Absolutely that's the, unreal. That's the only thing that I have a problem with the Seahawks is, for the love of God, you, you say you love the fans then do not act like the IRS and basically steal our money like that. <laughs> it, it makes it really hard for, uh, you know, just your average family to go enjoy a sporting event. It really, it's not like it always was. And, I, I mean, you know, um, I mean, my fiancé and I went out to Anaheim for a game to catch the Mariners, and I'm not kidding. We got some pretty good seats. Um, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't, you know, you know, first row, but they were, they were pretty good. And, you know, you're paying 20 bucks for parking. You're paying 50 bucks a seat. There's five of us. And then you're paying 10 bucks a beer. I mean, that's, that's tough. That's an event, you know, that's your hard earned money. And you're not even guaranteed to win. Uh, so I'm right there with you, Mike. It's tough. It, you know, the, it'd be nice if, uh, if they could do some things to make that a little more affordable, but I'll tell you what, I mean, it's, it really is supply and demand. And when they continue to sell out at those prices, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see uh, a drop in price anytime soon. Yeah, and a uh, quick update for for Sounder fans. Um, Christian Roldan just scored. It's one nothing Seattle against the Timbers. And I'm going to say right. this, build a friggin' bonfire. Put the, <laughs> put the Whitecaps in the middle and – Put the timbers on top and burn the friggin' lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, Mike. I haven't really thought, followed the Sounders too much. It's it's kind of difficult living down here in Arizona. I never really got into soccer too much growing up, but uh, it is. It's I'm trying. It's fun. I I I love that team. That team's dynamic and the the passion that the fans have up there. And uh, next time I'm up there, I really love to catch the Sounders game. It, it looks really, really incredible, like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you were up there uh, when I was at the Sounders game, man. You should have got, you should have joined us, man. It was a real fun time, man. We won. T- Here's the thing: the last game that I went to, man, we won mm-hmm. two to one, and we won with basically seconds left. I think about ten seconds left on stoppage time. Wow, wow, that's outstanding. <laughs> it was, it was, and uh, getting on to our final topic, man. Or here's the thing, and also I got to tell you, man. I uh, I look around Seattle. I I actually drove up to Seattle. I do. I I've driven up there. I think maybe a couple times for a game. And here's the thing: I'm not going to pay between thirty and fifty dollars for parking because here's the thing. I know a perfect spot to park where I don't even pay a cent. 
And here's the thing. For everyone who is listening to me, uh, I really would uh, – I really would say to go here and park because but you know I just but just don't steal my spot. But there is a Krispy Kreme's donut shop that's about oh I want to say about maybe 3 or 4 blocks down the road from Safe from Safeco Field and CenturyLink Field. You can park there for 24 hours and then you get towed. So, here's <laughs> the thing. I have never paid for parking in my life. I don't intend to. I always park there at Krispy Kremes, and when there's no parking available, I park right across from to KeyBank. And there's because both of those both of those places they have a 24-hour parking limit, and you can park there for free for 24 hours, not even get uh, towed. So you can basically go watch the Mariners, go watch the Seahawks, go watch the Sounders, park there for free. And the only thing you have to worry about is the traffic getting out of there. And I'm going to say this: um, we're going to be getting we're getting here on the Mariners. And Matt, Edgar Martinez' mm-hmm. week was incredible. The traffic yeah. was not that pleasant. And the final game that I was there, I came with uh, when CJ Crone hit that home run. Mm-hmm. Go and look back. Go and watch that game. You will see me sitting above. I'm going to say this. I, I was sitting above Edgar or standing above Edgar's cantina for the whole game. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was about maybe, I want to say about seven or 10 feet away from, uh, from that home run ball. So that was the closest I've ever come to a home run ball. Oh, all right. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. I, I will say this about Edgar Weekend. It, I I watched it on TV. I watched uh, the uh, the ceremony, and it, it it was just hats off to the Mariners organization. They did an outstanding job honoring an absolute Seattle legend, and you know he handled it with nothing but absolute class. The guy is complete class, and I'm so proud that he's a Mariner and. Uh, you know, just, to, uh, yeah, just on, on a fan level, just to kind of be a part of that and just some small little level to be able to enjoy that as a Mariner fan. That was so cool. You know, and, and I, I'm not even going to remember. I, I'm choosing not to remember how our team played that weekend. I'm just going to remember Edgar and, uh, you know, what what he meant to this organization and and how how cool that was to, to honor him and his legacy as a Seattle Mariner, uh, forever grateful to have number 11, you know, um, up there, retired forever. It's just absolutely incredible weekend. Agre- agreed. Um, and I don't think you saw my photo of Nelson Cruz or, or Ariel Miranda that I posted on Twitter, but uh, Ariel Miranda actually text or messaged me on Instagram and actually wanted a copy of it. So Really? I sent it. I awesome. I I, um, I emailed him a copy. I don't know if uh, Nelson Cruz wants a copy, but here's the thing. I was uh, for about uh, two and a half innings. I'm going to say two and a half innings. I was basically sitting in the first row, right behind the Mariners' uh, dugout. Um, and during the time when Felix tosses out the baseballs, um, I asked. I was like, "Hey, Felix, you mind?" T- I'm right here, and he tossed me one. I actually have the baseball. I can't seem to find it at the moment. But 
I will say this, man. It, that was one of the best. That was one of the best things that's ever happened to me there. And you know, I'm I'm taking photos there, and I and I went like, and I saw Nelson Cruz standing there. I'm like, hey, Nelson. And he turns around and he said, and I said, smile. And so yeah, <laughs> that was a uh, that was definitely a uh, that was definitely awesome. And I and I said the same thing to. Uh, uh, Ariel Miranda, he turned around, he smiled. Uh, I got uh, Guillermo Heredia. I was because I called out to Edwin Diaz, and <laughs> Guillermo tapped on his shoulder, and he's just like pointing towards me, and he's like basically telling him, you know, smile, smile. <laughs> and it was just all, it was just amazing fun, and yeah, I mean, we. It, you know, Mayor's disappointed us again today, man. I'm I'm gonna say this: five errors in a game. It it, it was basically innings. it was six errors in a game, really. I'm I'm gonna count Seeger's error in the second inning. I mean, I I I posted a gif today. Um, I'm not gonna say the uh, the the word that's that it said, but I'll I think you saw the gif, Matt. And watching that game, I was a ten on the I'm gonna friggin' punch somebody scale. Because I was, I was, I was, I'm looking at this team and this road trip that we've had, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this defense? I have never seen us have this many errors on a road trip, and I've never seen us hit so little home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're only a half game back, I believe, in the wild card. We're only one game above 500. We're a half game back in the wild card. Let me pull it up real quick. I think it's a game uh, and a half back, actually. Now that uh, uh, you know what, was it? Uh, Minnesota won today, and we lost. Seven errors total in the, in today's game. Five by the wow. Mariners, and two by the Yankees. So, you know, you know, like, and, and you know, can I can I just say this? I don't mean to interrupt you, but is it? You know, I think I think what kind of bothers me the most about those all those errors in one game. It, well, is, is that it's this late in the season when it's this important and we're on the verge of the wild card spot. You know, I, I understand that everyone has bad days and bad games. And, you know, the Seattle Mariners just didn't show up today. They didn't show up. They looked lethargic. They were making mistakes left and right. Uh, that, and to, to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, to do that this late in the, in the season – Against another wild card, you know, contender in the New York Yankees on on one of the world's biggest stages in Yankee Stadium, just to lay a freaking egg like that—that was embarrassing. I turned off the game, and uh, you know, I felt for every Seattle Mariner fan that was watching the game or that that paid their hard-earned money to be there. That was just—it's an absolute disgrace to play that bad when it matters this much. And yeah, that's—I uh, turned it off. And uh, I threw something else on because it just wasn't even worth my time. And, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, as I always do. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's crunch time right now. There, there's two stats that matter right now. There, there's two stats, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what those are. One is there's 31 games left in the season. we got 31 games left. The second one is we're a game and a half out of the wild card. We're tied with Anaheim right now. We're trailing Kansas City and New York. Uh, th- th- that's the biggest thing. We got 31 games to get our act together and get a seed in the playoff, you, to get that wild card spot. 
That that's the bottom line. That's the two most important things, and, and we got to go after it like it matters because it does. It, it, this season is going to be over before you know it, and it is crunch time. And to be able to go out there and just lay an egg like that, it, it was pathetic. It, it was no other words describe that performance. That was just absolutely pathetic. It was. It was pathetic. And I'm going to say this, man. Um, I don't think there's really much we can say about this Mariners team because it's not really much to talk about today. So we're going to end the show a little bit earlier, but I'm going to say this, man. Uh, Gene Segura and Ben Gamble, both of them Mm -hmm. need to get their heads out of their asses and start. First of all, you know what? I get that Segura is going to struggle, but for God's sakes, Ben Gamble and Gene Segura today looked the worst I've ever seen. And Gene Segura all season long, I'm going to say this, he's been a great shortstop, but he's made mm-hmm. error after error this year. Three er- three errors in this game. First of all, when you're going out to center field, do me a favor, guys. Uh, call that it. Brutal. Call that was brutal. That, that, that was just brutal. Sorry, Mike, that was just brutal. I, I don't care, man. You're fine, but call the ball off. Mm-hmm. Because it's just I, I I've never never have once seen a team play this badly. I've never seen a team, a a Mariners team, a Yankees team doesn't matter. I've never seen a Mariners team play this poorly to where I would say that little leaguers could possibly little leaguers could possibly beat them. And no, they couldn't play much worse. Again, um. And I'm going to say this. Again, Gene Segura needs to wake the hell up, start hitting again. And I'm going to say this to Scott Service. When Gerard Dyson comes back, get Ben Gamble out of the lineup. Put Guillermo Heredia in there. Because you know why? Guillermo Heredia is, a ten times better, is ten times better of an outfielder than he'll ever be. And... You know what? In, in Guillermo already, when he gets a chance, he hits. Ben Ben Gamble used to be up. The last time I saw it was at two twenty five. He is down now. To, he's now down to two eighty. And I'm like, are you, I'm just like, you're, you've got to be kidding me. I was just. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is, Mike. I don't. I don't know if it's just, especially with some of these young players. It's just the fatigue of a long season, because I, I know baseball is an endurance sport. It, it is not easy to go through spring training and play 162 games and then potentially move into the playoffs. But uh, I've seen some of these guys just looking a little tired out there. Just And, and if that's the case, then we got to kind of, you know, Scott Service needs to pull back on the reins a little bit more, kind of get that rotation uh, you know, get some of those guys rotated in and out a little bit better. But, yeah, it, today was just – the way some of these guys have been playing lately, they just look tired. They look drained, lethargic. They're not making good decisions. They're not having great at-bats. And it, it is really a miracle that we're just – we're still just a game and a half out of the wild card. So we got to do – we got we got to kind of live that and embody that mantra, whatever it takes because it's crunch time. Like I mentioned, there's 31 games left. Now's the time. The Mariners really need to step up because we can we can do this. We can get that playoff spot. 
but we can't play like we played this weekend. There's no, no way, no how we're going to make the playoffs if we play like that. Absolutely not. And uh, before we get off the show, man, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this about the Mariners again. Um, today, um, Albers, it was not his fault. He pitched his ass off. But his Great. defense... His defense basically told gave him the finger and and failed him that I've never seen a, a defense fail a pitcher before. This game would have been only two to one at the at the best when Albers came out of the game. But I mean, I just this this team is playing like it doesn't care. It needs to wake up and say, hey, guess what? We're going into the final month with 31 games left. A game and a half, back, a game and a half out of the wild card. Let's do this. Let's bring it and let's get this wild card. Let's yeah, get into yeah. the post. Well, and you know, I, I'm hoping, and you know, I think Scott Service has done a good job of rebounding. You know, we've got our butts kicked before, and then got back into contention. So uh, let's just let's just hope and pray that you know this was kind of what we needed to kind of wake us up and get serious. I, I don't know what's going on in that locker room after the game. But, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that this is that wake-up call that we needed for this 31-game stretch to, to really push us ahead in that wild-card race. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before we get off, uh, first of all, I want, to thank, I want to thank Matt again for always joining me. We're going to be back. We will be back next week at 6 o'clock, same time as we always do. And or new time. We're doing this new time. We are on at, new, at a new time at 6 o'clock. And, again, the day after the podcast, you can come on our site. You can download the episode if you missed it and listen to it. But, Matt, I'm going to say this. If the Mariners make the playoffs or if they finish above or at 500, do you think Scott Service deserves to get the manager of the year with what he has had to manage with? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. You you look at what this team has been through – how many, how many starting pitchers have we had this year? 37? Or 37 30, different pitchers? 37, yeah. 37. And, and the record's 38, and we're still in contention for the playoffs? Give him the award. Give it to him. There's just, you know, and the fact that, I mean, I'm looking at Felix and James Paxton, both those guys, based on what I'm seeing from MLB.com, from Greg John, is that we might not get them back till mid-September. And so, but the fact that we're able to stay relevant and compete for a playoff spot with what we have, you got to give that. You got to give Scott Service and Jerry Depoto a lot of credit. And I think and I'm not going to be that guy right now, but I think they're really setting the tone for the future of this team. And this team is just getting is getting better year over year. And that's that's what you can hope for. And you just hope that this team can be competitive. But, yeah, I, you asked me what time it was, and I built you a watch. Yes, Scott Service does deserve that. Agreed. Um, also, uh, oh, my God, I had, it, I had it with me just a second. But, oh, here we go. Um, there's, there's, there, was a, there was something that I wanted to talk about this week that uh, we should finish off with this because it's an off-current, it's an off-topic really mm-hmm. on – Seattle sports, but if Giancarlo Stanton, who has hit 50 home runs, and it's still August, if he was to mm-hmm. hit 62 home runs, mm-hmm. would you consider him the home run king? 
Uh, he definitely deserves to be. I mean, anyone that could accomplish that incredible of a feat, which it really is, uh, you, you, I'd have to really dig in there. Uh, to, but he will absolutely go down as one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Just the guy's having an incredible year. He, number 50, that absolutely blows my mind. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he's up there. He's definitely worth, you know, having his name in the conversation. And I, I think we kind of got to let it play out, see how he finishes up the season and let his career play out. It's kind of – it's tough. It's kind of unfair to compare a guy that's playing right now to, you know, previous generations of, of guys that played for, you know, uh, you know decades. So um, he definitely deserves to have his name in the conversation and, and will, you know, if, if he's able to uh, accomplish that. that. That's absolutely remarkable. And, you know, our hat's off to him. What, what a baseball player. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this. Uh, like you said, when you went to Anaheim, you looked mm-hmm. at the list. Five players on the list are steroid users. One guy <laughs> hit 73 home runs in a year. So I'm going to say this. Or no, uh, several of those guys hit more than 60, 61 home runs in a season. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. If Giancarlo Stanton hits 62 home runs, if he hits 62, he's the, he's the home run, he is the season home run king, in my opinion, because he did it the right way. He has yet to be tested for steroids. He has yet to test positive for steroids. So guess what? If he hits it, if he hits 62, he's the home run king. Not a doubt. I think Barry, that's fair. I think it's Barry, fair. That, that's fair. Absolutely. Barry Bonds, in my opinion, can suck one. And I'm saying that on the air because I, I'm, I'm tired of people considering him the home run king. He is not the home run king. Not one bit. A-Rod's not the home run king. The guys, Most of those guys that you see on the home run list, none of them deserve to be on that list. Because they all did steroids. They all cheated. So... I'm going to end it right there and saying, again, if Giancarlo Stanton gets 62 home runs, he's the home run king, in my opinion. And that is going to end this show. And, again, Matt, thank you so much for joining me, man. Cannot wait to do it next week. It sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Mike. No worries. So this is me and Matt signing off until next week saying, go Mariners and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Mariners. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.